Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. A volunteer needs to be comfortable in making the ask, and the victory is in making the ask. After that, if there's an objection, there are ways to work through it, but I really encourage volunteers, board members, to just be comfortable making the ask and, and not worry so much about what happens next. So, in 1997, I took this dive off a cliff, from corporate America to running a large gay rights nonprofit. Well, at least they told me it was large, but the bank statement said something else. It said $360. And here I was, both a nonprofit and a fundraising virgin. There is nothing quite like massive fiscal crisis to develop your skills as a bold fundraiser. But it was the words of a colleague that didn't just make it okay, but turned me into a joyful, enthusiastic fundraiser. Her words pushed every one of my buttons as an executive director pleaser. She said, you know, it makes people feel good to give money to causes they care about. That's all I needed to hear. What do you need to hear? I asked my colleague, Seth Rosen, to join me today to tackle the fear of asking for money and how nonprofit leaders can tackle it. Seth, you are my first victim on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Joan. So Seth works with my firm on a bunch of projects, often focusing on fundraising strategy, like me, Seth was also a nonprofit and fundraising virgin, not one of those gung ho college students who never missed a phonathon. So, you're on. Tell me your story. Well, you're right. I, I uh, actually shy away from the phonathon when I get those calls. But uh, so I was a uh, attorney. I was a litigator, and I realized that I wanted to make a career change. There were some things I loved about litigating. And it was really about meeting people, advocating for a cause, and just making really terrific relationships. Yeah, but you hated it. I hated the, uh, I really hated the part where I had to be very angry to do the job, which was true. Yeah, well, Um, seeing that uh, Seth is one of the happiest people on earth, I can't imagine a job where you had, where you had to be hateful. Yes, it was, it was against my nature. So what'd you do? One day, I picked up the New York Times, I'm dating myself, this was when there were so many uh, um, help wanted ads in the Times, and they were in the, in the print edition, and I found an ad for... You answered an ad in the New York Times? Yes, I'm dating myself, I picked it up, um, I rode to the store of my dinosaur, I picked it up, and when I was there, I saw that there was an ad for Planned Parenthood Federation of America, and they were looking for a person to help with their planned giving work as a fundraiser. I have never met anyone who got a job by answering an ad in the New York Times. This is exciting. It is, and it gets even better. I sent my letter in through mail. I went to the post (laughs) office. I put a stamp on the letter, and I got an interview, and I learned how to be a fundraiser with that first job. I started. I started out working behind the scenes at uh, Planned Parenthood in their planned giving division. And I learned from there that I actually really enjoy asking people for money. It makes me very happy. So tell me about your first time, Seth. My first time asking people for money. So the at this point, I was raising money for Planned Parenthood's direct service work uh, in the developing world. And I was meeting with a foundation officer. It was in D.C. It was for a gift renewal. 
And I really had the privilege to tell the officer what their previous gift went for and what we would do with the renewal. And I felt great about it because I knew that the money was going for really terrific work. It was going to really transform and help people, transform lives and help people who truly needed it. So I, I told you that Seth is like the happiest man on earth. So I want you to take that with a certain grain of salt that you must have been nervous. Oh, of course. I mean, I think that before you ask for money for the first time, you are always going to be nervous. But I had a huge benefit where I was able to see every single day at work that the money was going for a great cause and was being used wisely and was being used in an effective manner. So even though I was nervous, I had that behind me, and so I could make a compelling ask. Well, I also think what, what I heard you say was this notion that you had you got a great story to tell yes. about how the money had been used, correct? Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. And you know, my love of the organization was greater than my fear of asking. Ah, yes. So, um, uh, so you and I have both experienced the whole fear thing because you can't actually ask somebody for money and not be anxious about it. We're, so neither neither of us are immune to it. But what do you think is, is behind the fear? I think a lot of people who ask for money from a volunteer capacity are people that uh, really want to do a great job. And they are afraid, in some sense, of disappointing the organization if they get a no, if, they, if the, uh, the person they're asking says no to them. So I think there's a fear of failure there. Yeah, and you know, people, when I think about board members, um, who is the most likely candidate to be on a board? Is somebody who is very what? Type A. Right. Achievement oriented. Successful. Exactly. So no is not a word they're accustomed to hearing, right? That's exactly true. What else do you think is out there about that? Uh, I also think that they are afraid of getting a question that maybe they can't answer, uh, asking someone for money and then getting an objection that they're not prepared for and not really knowing how to work with the prospect around oh, that. Oh, you know who's the worst about that? lawyers. So I was on this board. I, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. So I was on this board filled with lawyers. And lawyers have serious value. And I know you too are a lawyer and I don't hold it against you. Well, thank you. Um, there's a lot of things I don't hold against yeah, you. I, I, yeah, I, I get I, that. Yeah. So anyway, lawyers are the worst because they expect that people will only give money if they can make the case. And the case comes from the head, the case comes from data, and it doesn't come from the heart. And I remember people would say, so how many tickets do I get to the gala if I give you $10,000? And I would be the ED, and I wouldn't know the answer. I'd say, you know, I can actually find that out for you. It's probably a pretty good number. Let's talk about the work. That's perfect. I think, I think that's exactly true. And the, the reality is, a volunteer needs to be comfortable in making the ask, and the victory is in making the ask. After that, if there's an objection, there are ways to work through it, but I really encourage volunteers, board members, to just be comfortable making the ask and, and not worry so much about what happens next. So, I mean, we know that we live in a society where talking about money is kind of awkward, like almost taboo, which is kind of an interesting thing that neither you nor I have the time or probably the brains to figure out. Right. Well, remember, I worked at Planned Parenthood where I talked about money and sex. Yeah. So that was the, the two <laughs> biggest taboo things. Okay. So, um, so in the taboo category, talking about money falls into that category. Um, so, so that's a piece of the fear too, right? 
Yeah, that's exactly true. When you're asking someone for money, you are making an assessment about their net worth. There's no way about it. You have you and your development staff have come up with a number that you think the prospect can, in fact, give. You're making a, an educated guess. So, of course, that can be very difficult. But I think it's important to remember you are not asking for yourself. You're asking on behalf of an organization you very much believe in. And that gives you the moral authority to ask. I think that's really true, and it's probably why I will never, ever, I, I, I decided a long time ago that I would never run for office because it felt very much like it was an ask about me, even though I might have had a platform that I, did, that I, what I loved was asking for money on behalf of a cause. And Joan, really, you did, you made enormous number of asks while you were at that gay rights organization. And can you give an example of a time when you were afraid to do it and then you got through it? Uh, I mean, I was always afraid. I was always afraid. I was always anxious. I mean, why wouldn't I be? And I made it even worse by not asking until the cappuccino was set. So I had to, I waited through this whole lunch before I asked, because one of the things that that lunch gave me was the opportunity to really know and understand who this donor was to determine if there was actually really a fit, mm. right? Well, yeah, so well, let's turn it around a bit too. So how do you feel when you were asked for money? So I, so I give to a bunch of different causes and I get asked for money. And I think the very first time it happened was when the synagogue asked us for a capital campaign gift, and it was a number that was really big. And uh, I remember sort of in my early days, and this was when I was like in my 30s, thinking, well, how did they come up with that number, right? Or, gee, who do they think we are, right? But as I have, then um, that was before I, you know, while I was still a fundraising virgin. Now that I've been around the block a few times, here's what I feel. I feel like I know that it's hard to ask for money, and so I admire the person that's asking me. And yes, of course, I, in my own mind, sort of critique how they are going about it, but I mostly feel like you're doing your job. You are doing your job. And I listen to the quality of the story. And as a, as a donor, I want to know where my money is going, right? I can give to Gen Op. I can give to particular programs. But tell me a good story and tell it to me with joy, with pride, um, and, and as an intelligent messenger. And whether I say yes, no, or yes, but not that much, um, it, it, you know, that decision is mine, right? But, but I go, so I don't feel odd being asked for money, and I expect organizations to ask for money, and if I go to a fundraiser and I'm at a cultivation event and somebody doesn't come up and ask me for money, I think to myself, what kind of organization is this? I'm a prospect. I could be a donor. Why didn't somebody ask me? I agree with you. I think the only thing I would add is I don't like it when I am asked for money in a one-on-one -on -one meeting and the preparation of telling me about the organization and really cultivating me and showing me why the money uh, is important to give hasn't been done. Right. I think that it's really important for every volunteer to work closely with the development staff to make sure that there has been a real cultivation plan in place so that the donor is coming to any meeting understanding why there is such need. Right. Um, so, so we get it. 
we've been there. We know that fundraising can kind of scare the hoo-ha out of people. Um, if you want to keep listening, if we want people to keep listening to us, Seth, we better consider offering them some advice. Um, so, I mean, you give trainings on this subject. In fact, I happen to know you gave one last night. You help people get over this hump. So how do you start the conversation? Uh, yep, last night I gave a training at an independent private school to a board uh, and key volunteer group that are about to embark on a campaign. And I think the most important advice I can give to someone is to remind yourself before you go into a meeting why you love that organization. Really need to take a second and think about what first connected you to, the, to whatever institution it is and remind yourself why you are there and where the money that you're asking for is going to go. You have to psych yourself up by remembering that your love of the organization is greater than your fear of asking. So the other thing, and it's connected to this, I think, is this, um, the notion of touching and feeling the work. Um, so I had this experience where I gave, uh, where I was working with a board on fundraising strategy. And before I went, I went to visit the drop-in center for this organization that dealt with homeless youth and met some of the people and met some of the kids. And I went to this, to this board retreat. And when I got there, I found out that I was in the minority of people who had ever been to the drop-in center, right? Like 25% of the board members, maybe tops, had been to the drop-in center. And if you, it's just like we say, it's hard to ask people for money if you're not giving yourself. It's really hard to ask people for money if you actually can't say, you know, the other day I was up at the drop-in center and I met this kid named Jim, right? Or I met the guy who runs the programs. His story is amazing, right? It's a lot about storytelling, but it, that storytelling comes from touching and feeling the work. What else, what else helps people over the fear? Well, I really want to reiterate what you just said. If you are at an organization, you cannot, as a volunteer, you cannot ask someone for money until you've given them money first, right? Until you've made your own gift. Because the key line in any solicitation is, I hope you will join me with a gift. Um, and really implying, and because you did, you already made a gift. You're, in, you're asking people to join you as a partner. It's incredibly important to do that. I also want people to remember that your job is to make the ask. The victory is in making the ask. You cannot control the response of the prospect. Could be they're having a terrible day, they're having something going on with family or work that you're not aware of. All you can do is control the ask and make that as best, the best possible ask you can. And I really uh, think it's a great idea for people to rehearse the ask first. Rehearse the line where you are asking someone for money. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your with a friend. Do it with someone from the development department. Do it with another board member. But really, can you do it with that. your dog? You certainly can, and I think that you know the dog is probably the best because they won't judge you. Yes, they're They'll not. Love that, you no that's right. What. No matter what, you they have you. You have them at hello. The um, I think the other uh, you know, and this whole notion. I mean, it sounds so easy to say, right, that the victory is in the ask. But for the type A people who are accustomed to winning, that's not, not so easy to get that one by them. And I, the other thing is, you also, speaking of judging, you cannot judge people if they say no. 
Um, although I've been known to do that. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that there is a certain, uh, for lack of a better word, a zen aspect of fundraising. A lot of it is about volume. You have to make a lot of asks to reach your goal, but you can't always expect to get a yes from everyone. I also think that a lot of volunteers and board members are really afraid that if they do the ask poorly, somehow they're, they're going to hurt the relationship. Uh, with the prospect. But the truth is, if you prepare and you show your belief and your commitment to the organization, you're not going to do any harm. You're only going to help bring that person closer, whatever their response is. Yep. And I just want to reiterate, you're, and it's sort of like a, a thing you should, if you're going to be a fundraiser, a volunteer, a board member, a major gifts officer, your love of that organization and the work that it does must trump your fear of asking. Joan, I've, I've heard that you uh, actually have people write that down on a card and then go to the bathroom and review it in between the appetizer and the entree. I do. I totally do. Um, is that I tell people to take an index card and write, you know, uh, your love of fill-in-the-blank, my love for fill-in-the-blank organization trumps my fear of asking Bob for $1,000. Um, and right, if, if you're really starting to get anxious... Excuse me, I just have to go to the restroom for a moment, right? You go to the restroom, you stand in the mirror, and you look in the mirror and you look at your index card, you say, my love of this organization trumps my fear of asking. And you say it a couple of times, and then you get out of the restroom and you go back to the table and you ask. So, um, as you know, we, you, um, we get a lot of emails from readers to our blog at www.joangary.com like a lot of emails, and we get a lot of them on this particular topic. So I thought I'd toss a couple of, out, a couple of them out there, and you can take a crack at them, and I'll join in with you. All right, I'm ready. All right, here you go. Question number one. I am fearful of asking, but I get it. But when it comes to my friends, I am totally paralyzed. Being rejected by your friends is the absolute worst. I, I don't think I can do it. What do you think I should do? So it, it's true. Being rejected by your friends are, is really difficult. But frankly, when your friends see your passion for the organization and they hear how important it is to you and they've seen the impact that you've had on the organization and the organization has had on your life, they're going to be really moved. And the truth is, if they say no, it doesn't matter. I know it's incredibly hard, but the truth is you have to make the ask and you have the authority to do so because you believe in that organization. Yeah, but see, I would, I would also add that you're not being rejected by your friends. That's, you're not being rejected by your friends. That's, the, that's actually not at all what's happening. Your friend has made a decision for whatever reason that you cannot control, has made a decision not to support an organization you care about, right? And if you see it as rejection, I would encourage you to consider looking at it from a different angle, which is you have offered them an opportunity to join you in supporting a cause that's meaningful, and they get to decide whether they're going to do that or not. I, I completely agree with that. And the other thing, for every fundraiser, when you get the no, really in your head, think of it as not now or a maybe. You're going to circle back to that person sometime in the future. And just maybe that friend of yours is going to continue to hear a lot more about the organization over the next several months. And they'll decide, you know what, this is something I want to support. So here's another sort of related question. 
So um, this is a, a dear Joan. I spoke to a board member who actually admitted he would jeopardize his relationship with his professional colleagues if he asked them for money. He saw these people as off limits. Maybe he could sell them tickets, um, but that would be about as far as he could go. Gosh forbid, right? God forbid he should ask a professional colleague for money. And those folks, by the way, are often the best people in someone's sphere of influence. So in this case, I would really... Uh, ask that person, what is it that they're most afraid of? Are they afraid of alienating that person so that they won't want to do business with them again? Are they afraid of souring the relationship? And drill down a bit to find out what is it that they're most afraid of. In things like this, the reality is that what you're afraid of rarely, if ever, happens. And in fact, I believe that sharing your philanthropic intent with other people, sharing the causes that you're passionate about with a business person, brings them closer to you because you're cementing that relationship. You're having an authentic moment where they're learning about you and you're really learning about them. Right, right. I think that's totally right. So last question, because uh, with all we have time for. Uh, and um, you said this came up at the training you did last night. Um, if someone says no to my ask, what do I do then? You ask them why. It's completely appropriate to ask someone who says no to your ask why they are saying no. And really, you're going to learn a lot about them at that point. It's certainly possible that the answer to them is, I just can't do it right now. Uh, it's the end of the year. I have a lot going on. I have a family emergency right now that I can't spare any money for. But learn to see if it's really a no to the organization or just the timing is poor or I need more information. In your pitch, I really didn't understand where the money is going for. Why are you asking me for this gift? And it's a conversation. You're asking the question why to learn more. And very often that will lead to uh, more information and you'll be able to turn it around. Um, excellent. I think that's about all the questions we have time for, although there were many, many more that came through. Um, uh, uh, this was fun, actually. It was. Um, thanks for the conversation. Um, and we had fun. More importantly, I hope that you, um, as listeners, found it valuable. Um, we hope that you'll be with us next time when I'm going to look at a day in the life of an executive director. I've invited two staff leaders who um, are smart, funny, a little bit sappy, and often completely overwhelmed. Pretty typical for an executive director. If you have questions you might want to ask them that might be helpful in either managing your own life as an ED or as a board chair, shoot us an email at joan at joangary.com and just put the word podcast in the subject line. Nonprofits are messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.